This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to Blurring the Lines podcast. This is episode 61. I'm your host, Adam Bell, and joining me as always is my co-host, Peter Nicolaitis. Welcome, Peter. Hey there, and if you can't tell, I'm in a wind tunnel today. No, not really. I'm driving in my car, uh, presently coming, uh, coming to you at 55 miles an hour as mm-hmm. I'm going through a work zone. And I don't need a ticket, um, but uh, resuming my normal uh, speed of 65 miles an hour in just a little bit as I uh, scream north on uh, I-93. Mm-hmm. So uh, this this harkens back to my friend Dave Yates, uh, former host of the Lotta Linux Links Linux User Podcast, which was one of the first podcasts that I ever started listening to. And uh, for the last many episodes, he uh, he would always be car casting. <laughs> from uh, from the road at like 75 miles an hour because I guess down in down in your area some places the speed limit is higher than it is up here. Mm-hmm. We like 75. What's trans- yeah, we do 65 up here. That's the best. I think maybe on the New York maybe on the uh, New York Expressway there's some places where it's 70 maybe mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. Yeah. So you know the good thing is 75 translates into 85. Because uh, if you do the speed limit, you're going to get run over. <laughs> that seems to be fairly universal um, <laughs> around in, in Boston. I mean, like I I do 65, and people will come up to me. I might be in the left lane, and I don't even have a chance to be nice and try to pull over. Like someone will come up to me, and immediately they dart into the right lane. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just stay here in the left lane and make you guys go around me. I mean, I was going to move, but people are so damn impatient sometimes. It's like, <laughs> this is, again, why we need driverless cars, because yeah. people cannot be trusted to drive. <laughs> well, you, you know, you told an exact scenario that drives me nuts, uh, because I, I the two things drive me nuts. One, driving in the left lane when you're slow, but then also coming up like you described so fast that it is impossible for you to get out of the left lane. And what I like is like I'm tracking somebody beside me and like somebody's in the right hand side, I'm in the left lane, I'm going faster than the person in the right hand lane, but the person behind me is barreling way faster than I'm doing and I've got to at least get around the person I'm passing before I can get over and then I get over and they still give me the stink eye I'm like (laughs) well what I usually get is they box themselves in Mm -hmm. because I'm going I'm going just fast enough that they're not going to be able to so when they go to pass me on the right lane they come up and they're thinking that they're just going to squeeze right through. And then I'm going just fast enough so that by the time they get there, there isn't enough room for them to go through. And then that's what really ticks them off. I'm like, hey, you do this to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those people drive me nuts. And then the, the person who does the, they are going to do the speed limit in the left-hand lane and they don't care what you think about it. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, like, like, I'm that guy for a bit. But then, look, if people are coming along, I will try to move over. I mm-hmm. really will. But you got to give me at least, I don't know, a second. (laughs) All right. Well, this isn't car talk today, so I guess we'll uh, get on to some computer stuff. You've, uh, have you, you've updated your iPhone to 11.03? I did just this morning. Uh Uh, I had meant to do it over the weekend, but I just had a bunch of things going on and I couldn't, every time I thought about it, I couldn't shut it off and do it myself. And for some reason, although it claimed that it was going to install automatically between the hours of what, 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. or something, Uh it never actually did. Okay. So, and that's been my experience. I don't think I have ever actually seen an iOS update automatically apply like it has said that it was going to. So yeah. I think they're consistent. Yeah, I haven't had one either. Even though you punch in your passcode, you agree, and you say automatically do it, it's still you still got to manually do it during the day. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, Apple. Um, yeah, quality assurance. Anyone? <laughs> yeah. So, so why did you go to three? I haven't done three yet. I'm on. I, you know, one came out, and then the next day two came out, and then I, I haven't done three because I haven't had any real problems other than my search functionality, which auto magically started working as soon as we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, well, you're welcome. I fixed that for you. That was uh, one of my superpowers. <laughs> That's um, great. So no, I just, I, it was uh, it was mostly bug fixes. I don't remember now. I don't think um, 11.03 had any uh, security fixes, but I I don't know. I didn't uh, read the release notes because Apple's really good at burying those things. I just didn't have time. But of like bug fixes, I'm experiencing bugs. I will take fixes. Thank you. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I've heard some people say they've had battery issues, like the battery life has been reduced as a result of 11, 0, 1, and 2. They were having battery issues. I didn't know if maybe you were having that. I haven't had... Well, I wouldn't really know just yet because I still have a brand new phone and my my two iPod 5S's have been pretty much sitting in a drawer unused. Mm-hmm. So uh, I haven't really noticed much. And with my iPad, I have that thing plugged in so much. It's, it's you know, it's rare that I'm, like, leaving it unplugged for more than an hour or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I love my iPad. As far, I can work on it all day long. At least on the previous update, I could work on it all day long at a conference and still have like 50% when the conference is done after an eight-hour day. You know, so... Which iPad is that? Uh, I have well, I have the iPad Pro now, uh, the the 10-inch version, not the the big 12. I had one of those, but it was just other than taking it to conferences, it was too big to carry around all the time. Yeah, at that size, I would be much happier with a uh, you know a MacBook Air or something, an 11-inch, and just go with that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah. I just didn't. If I'm gonna have a screen that big, I might as well have have 100% functionality of the PC. <laughs> that, that's exactly my point. Is you know, if you're gonna be paying the price for that portability, I I don't know. I know some of my friends are their tablet fanatics and like, oh, you can do everything you want. I'm like, no, you can do everything you want. 
with a tablet. (laughs) I still need a fully functional computer to do a lot of the work that I need to be doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm still monitoring, you know, if, if whatever, you know, I'm using SolarWinds. If if I want to go in and just simply monitor a server, I've got to click these little pluses and, you know, things like that. And it's a it's a real hassle to do on a tablet without a mouse. You know, you can get the pen, but it's not a mouse. No, tapping and tapping and sometimes, you know, sometimes a pointer is nice. It's a nice alternative. I like the both. I like, you know, being able to use, for instance, on the Microsoft Surface, being able to touch when I want to, but also using the mouse when I want to or the trackpad. It's a nice mm-hmm. balance. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would say probably for 80%, you know, of the average users out there that they can get by just fine with a tablet. I think really should be just on tablets like i want to get my dad off of using his windows computer oh yeah like just use the ipad just you know stop it (laughs) oh but i need to print this invoice no you really don't you really (laughs) don't (laughs) you just need to read it yeah exactly it's too small zoom zoom in (laughs) yeah exactly hold it closer to your face you can't do that with the monitor on your desk (laughs) Yep. Yep. So okay. So you were telling me. Well, let me tell you about the wire or Windows 10 update uh, that I almost wasn't able to do the podcast today because I was afraid it killed me. So Microsoft released a cumulative update for Windows 10, 16.07. Of course, nobody knows which version they're on until they go into the the control panel and update history, and then you can see what see what you've got. But so the the cumulative update for Windows 10, 16.07, the KB4041691, that will what will happen is it will try to install itself twice. Uh, it'll install once and you'll need a reboot and your computer will schedule for a reboot but it won't actually reboot and then it runs itself again and then it really ends up corrupting itself and then the only way to recover is to boot it into the Windows 10 recovery mode and go to a previous state. Well, if you've got previous states turned off, you cannot recover without restoring to a previous version. And what's funny is, if you just run this update like it's supposed to run without it running twice, if you run it once, run the update, let it go, uh, then it runs just fine. But what happens is it kills you on the automatic update when it's automatically tried to do it and not rebooted and automatically done it again and then does reboot that's when it kills your boot up so if you haven't run that update I definitely recommend you manually run it make it go away so that you won't have it go again because we've had uh, four customer computers who have lost it you know they we didn't lose them because we were able to go to the previous state Uh, and then I had one of my uh, little file sh- testing servers here at the office and it runs Windows 10 because it doesn't have multiple users to it and uh, it did the same thing so I had to re- restore from a backup on it so it's it is recoverable for somebody who knows what they're doing <laughs> that's the trick yeah I hate having to go into Windows recovery stuff I, I've never liked it I've never liked it, you know, back in the back in the Windows 9X days and the DOS days and stuff. I was pretty fearless. 
Mm-hmm. But ever since you know NTFS came along or Windows NT stuff, I was like, whenever I have to do a, a recovery on that, it's always I get a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in it's gotten a little bit easier, but still, there's this little bit of element of voodoo, and always I've got some trepidation. If a Windows machine won't boot, it feels like they've done enough of a job of cloning Apple style behavior mm-hmm. to hide everything that you might want and need to fix it <laughs> and it's just it's a pain like i know a lot of people went through the hassles when uh, their machines were automatically upgrading to windows 10 without their knowledge or their explicit consent mm-hmm. and uh, i just you know we went through we blocked that at all of our client sites we're like no you're not automatically getting windows 10 if you want windows 10 you can get it but we're not gonna let them you know force it down your throats because we didn't want to deal with the hassle of the next day. All of a sudden, oh, everything's broken. Mm-hmm. Well, and we've got, for the most part, that migration didn't go bad for us, for the most part. But I've got a handful of them out there now that Windows 10 is on them, but they're still not right. Like I can't, I can't recover them. Uh, so like we use StorageCraft for image backups of. of desktops and servers and if they have been upgraded uh, booting them as a virtual machine is really squirrely because the the virtualization software sees the previous operating system and can't figure out why it can't boot the previous operating system so if it was 2008 or 2 and now it's 2012 or if it was Vista and now it's 10 it boots but it's like I can't boot because I can't find Vista well, you shouldn't, because it was well, awful. <laughs> right. <laughs> so one of the things I remember, I read this, um, this was like a good, I don't know, more than 10 years ago. I remember reading some articles, and it was around then when I had started to believe that even though uh, we had largely acted, acted mostly in a vacuum, this is more than 10 years ago, it must have been like more like 15 years ago, um, that we were doing a lot of things that the industry considered to be best practices. Mm-hmm. And my, my first time was with that was when I, uh, I had a contract at this web developer, a web development company. And uh, I was their sysadmin and basically became their security engineer. Uh, and I was just comparing notes on like how they were developing their websites. And, you know, they were much more advanced compared to what I was doing. And we were doing like lots of little one-off websites here and there. But essentially we were doing the same stuff and we were following similar practices. And that, that made me feel good. Mm-hmm. And then the next time I got that was I was reading this survey and this study, a survey of, uh, you know, IT companies and executives and administrators showed that in general, people don't upgrade, you know, as far as enterprise computing goes, they don't do in-place upgrades of systems. They mm-hmm. just replace. So, you know, you buy a machine with XP, great, you run XP. And by the time you need to get off XP, you replace it with a new computer, done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that, that's exactly it. Because every time we've gone through an upgrade, something would go wrong. And, you know, Apple, it's been better. There have been a little bit of quirks here and there. Windows, I've tried it a couple of times, and it's just never a great experience. Even on Linux uh, and, and iOS, I 
just don't like it. There's always something that gets overlooked, and you know maybe it's minor, but you know like you might log on and you see some weird error messages in syslog in uh, you know on a Linux box, and like oh yeah, that all happened since the upgrade, and we just never got around to fixing that. Yeah. Like yeah, you know that's why it's uh, I, I I just I'm so much more of a just a migrate rather than upgrade in place, and that's something that I've brought back since. Uh, since my netware days man now i feel old <laughs> yeah you know it's a it's a very good point because it it's just been long enough i guess it's been long enough that we have we allowed it because we're like yeah these upgrades seem to be working for windows 10 from windows 7 or windows 8 or windows 8.1 and but they're not <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I made like one exception was, um, whoa, dude, hello, turn signal. So this Canadian A and M International driver, truck number five two three eight two five seven, license plate R H five nine six O J, just cut me off and didn't use his turn signal. Oh wow. Thank you, A&M International, a transforce company uh, on tfintl.com. In case anybody wants to give these guys some crap on my behalf, because I'm busy driving and paying attention, unlike this jackass, uh, please feel free. Thank you. Uh. Uh, anyway, well, I did uh, do some, we talked about this on an episode a while back, where um, my friends found a couple of computers uh, lying on the sidewalk. And oh, yeah. Stuff, stuff. They had licenses for Windows 8, so I believe, if I remember correctly, I did a fresh Windows 8 reinstall on those and then upgraded those to 10. So that was, you know, fairly seamless. Because if it's a brand new, perfectly clean installation, then your, um, you know, your chances are are better. But still, if you have the oper- if the option to do an install, regardless of what operating system it is, I recommend it. Yeah. Thankfully, knocking on wood here, as my father would say, knocking on, you know, whatever. Uh, I forget what the Greek equivalent of knock on wood is, or touch wood, as they say in the UK. Um, <laughs> I um, I did restore my iPhone 5S back up to my iPhone 8. Mm-hmm. And luckily, that seems to be going pretty well. But I've definitely like pr- brought forward some cruft in the past that I really wish I had just left behind. And... Um, you know, when I do that now, I pushed I pushed away just like wiping and doing a reinstall for a long time, just because I was lazy, and it really didn't turn out to be as much of a big deal as I, you know, wanted. As long as you've got your software licenses, you can reinstall your stuff, and you've got your data files. It's really not that big a deal. Just do a fresh install and just wipe away all those extra headaches that you're preserving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had well, you know, I have had pretty good luck on my iOS devices because I have had a lot of them. I mean, I've I, I processed them through and I just done a backup and a restore. Like I did Elizabeth's phone over the weekend. It took forever. I had to get the iOS to versions to match before I could do, you know, their backup and restore. But after that, it was uh, seems to be perfectly fine or maybe it's just working awful the way that it, she's used to since it's buggy from previous <laughs> updates <laughs> no worse than it used to be yeah <laughs> yeah i always have to open it close it open it and then it works just fine 
Oh, well, that's a problem. <laughs> it is? <laughs> yeah. See, always, it always worked that way. Okay. Well, if you're happy, I'm happy. <laughs> All right. What else we got to talk about? Crackattacks.com. Oh, yeah, that was fun. So, uh, news was, uh, news broke over the weekend and was released this morning that crackattacks.com, K R A K A T T A C K S.com, if I okay. recall. I hope I got it right. Um, essentially, everyone's implementation of wireless uh, networking is, is supposedly cracked. And uh, this gentleman, a security researcher, apparently submitted this paper in May and I don't know uh, if he followed any sort of responsible disclosure uh, in you know like the, reporting these breaches to manufacturers or not I don't know who was um, able to see this paper that he submitted in May but um, today the news went out so I'm hoping that you know this news has been got, like distributed to uh, at least the major Wi-Fi uh, hardware vendors that um, essentially wireless uh, security, WPA, wired protection, um, wi- wire, sh- wow, why can I not remember WPA now? <laughs> wire, oh, wow. Now I feel like one of those stupid podcast hosts who doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, anyway, WPA2, which was generally accepted as secure wi- as long as you're, you know, secret key. Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi protected access. Protected access. Thank you. Access. <laughs> Got it. As soon as you started saying it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, duh. Anyway, um, WPA2, which has been considered secure, assuming, you know, you had a long enough key and, uh, you know, password and you didn't share it, uh, apparently is now broken. And this just released uh, 11 different CVEs, so vulnerability notifications that were all, uh, all went out today. Um, I saw comments from Josh Wright, who is this uh, wireless guru. He writes the um, FANS wireless um, security program, and he's done a ton of research in this field. Uh, he says it looks legitimate, and um, it's really kind of scary. So changing your password will not help. Um, you know, people are encouraged to use a VPN, basically use supplemental security as soon as you can. Um, but essentially, you cannot rely right now on wireless encryption to provide you any sort of security as a result of these notifications. So be on the lookout, people. I'm talking to you. No, really, I am talking to you. If you can hear my voice, you <laughs> need to pay attention to this. If you have wireless equipment of any sort, whether it's your home router from Comcast or Linksys, or if you're one of my customers who bought a Sophos access point from us, um, you need to have it updated as soon as the manufacturer makes releases available for this. So um, I've been in the car this morning, so I haven't had a chance to see if uh, people have started releasing patches for this, but I would expect that these will be out very soon. The good news is, it, uh, according to the author of the paper, this is something that should be fixable with a software patch. So seriously, update your router. If you don't know how to do this, ask someone who does, even if you need to pay them money, please. So so is it an it's an update of the of the hardware and the encryption protocol or is it the encryption protocol altogether that needs to be updated 
I don't remember now. I read the article this morning one time, and as soon as I got to the part where it said, "Okay, this you know this is something that should be patchable," I said, "Okay, from now on, you know, until I hear otherwise, right now, I'm just waiting for the vendors to release patches." So I had kind of a harrowing morning. I had to pack. I'm running an hour late for an appointment up in Vermont. Um, and I was actually just about to start pulling down the paper and having it play again in the background as I was driving when you called so we could start the podcast. <laughs> well, I'll include that. I'll, I'll include the link to Crack Attacks because it's, yeah. it's the first page here and it he does yep. have a demonstration and details and nice. Okay. If I, if I recall, I think somebody asked, okay, so do we need a WPA3 protocol? And I believe the answer was no. Mm-hmm. So if I remember that correctly, then that would mean that this is just a patch that needs to be applied and that we do not need to, like, re- rejig the entire protocol. Okay. Yeah, 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 you're right. Uh, this means a patch can be still communicate with unpatched access point, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So it does talk about that on there. Cool. Well, good. I'll share that with our listeners. And then... You had, oh, well, I was going to tell you my voice over IP uh, uh, phone provider issue and get your uh, get your opinion on, so my office, we live on Skype right now, uh, Skype for Business, which has then now been deprecated. They want you to use the Office 365 Skype for Business uh which I think would be a good idea if it actually worked, but it doesn't quite work yet, so we haven't migrated to that. So there are VoIP providers here and around. I've tried, and this would actually be the fourth vendor that I've tried to use for soft phones. And so a soft phone is the, you know, a software install on your computer. You use a headset and microphone. You can make phone calls just like it's a real phone, but there is no phone sitting on your desktop. And the reason we do that is so we don't have actual phones in our offices. And plus, I allow my guys to work from home on Fridays. Otherwise, they would have to use a soft phone from home or they'd have to take their desktop home every Friday and forward phones. And and that's just a really big pain. And then uh, when the guys are also on site at our clients' offices, we don't want them you having to we don't want our clients to have their personal cell phones and if we had business cell phones they would call the cell phones directly instead of calling our main line and getting a ticket created like we need as part of our process so anyway so i got a vendor we tried i told him i said look you guys are going to be the fourth vendor that i've tried with the soft phone uh you know we'll give it a shot but you know, check our bandwidth, make sure we're good. They say, oh yeah, yeah, your bandwidth is good. You got 250 meg download, 100 meg upload. Uh, our, our soft phone only uses like 56K for each line when the call is being made. Perfect, we've got four people in the office. This will be great. We set it up. Every call that came in, the person at the other end couldn't hear us, but we could hear them and they would hang up on us. <laughs> they would think that nobody's here. So they'd hang up on us. So we tried to work it out with the vendor. They couldn't make it work. 
and we found out why it wouldn't work is because they're using UDP firewall at you? No, no. Uh, they're using UDP oh. broadcasting for their soft phone. So there's no, uh, with U UDP, the broadcasting protocol, it just sends packets into space or into the ether as it would be. And, and if nobody catches it on the other end, uh, nobody catches it. So the call doesn't get dropped if nobody catches it. But then you also have, you know, very poor communication where TCP sends a packet you have to at the other end have to acknowledge the packet then receive it or say you didn't get it and if you didn't get it the the originator will send the packet again so skype uses tcp and every other soft phone in the world maybe not every other every other soft phone that i have tried uses udp broadcasting so there's no checks and balances in place to make sure that the packet is actually received so that's why our Skype calls sound great and all the other ones sound crappy. Well, I'm like, guys, <laughs> how about you just write a TCP program? I mean, it's a little bitty, you know, your soft phone's a little bitty program. Change the protocol. <laughs> you even told me what's yeah, wrong. <laughs> so usually in my experience, if, you know, people are using UDP, uh, you know, which is like you implied a connectionless protocol as opposed to TCP, which does the three-way handshake. Um, if you do UDP, it's usually assumed that a higher level protocol, like SIP in this case, is going to be handling the error correction that's mm -hmm. going on. So if you, it, it's analogous to sending a letter without any sort of receipt confirmation or delivery confirmation or tracking. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't get there, it's no big deal. Uh, you know, like if this is just like a, a bulk mailing campaign or something you just send it out and if it doesn't get received on the other side don't worry about it you know we're sending another flyer out in two days so mm -hmm. it's not a big deal yeah. as opposed to fedex overnight delivery confirmation with a tracking number or something mm -hmm. so um but but usually like with SIP providers i mean i would think that that would be something that they would be able to um to figure out what was going on now when you said broadcast did you really mean they're doing udp broadcasts or just that they're using udp packets they're using udp udp packets for their for their okay. communication okay okay because broadcasting actually means something else and i was wondering like where are they broadcasting to <laughs> you don't you don't want to be broadcasting to their to their server because that's never going to get there <laughs> Well, and it's so you know, maybe you had like a SIP server on your own network or something that they were supposed to be proxying through or something. No, and and they even put a Broadcom network sniffer here, and you know, they said, well, it's it's you don't have enough bandwidth there. I'm like, I'm sorry, I have the maximum. What, gigabit? Yeah. Well, I I have gigabit at my home office, and I I said, well. My office office only has 250 meg down and 100 meg up. My home office, I have a gigabit and I have a 250 meg down and 100 meg up. Uh, it doesn't work from either location. <laughs> so, and then, so, so this went on for three months. Three months, you know, they worked with me. I worked with them. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't antagonistic. They weren't fighting with me and I wasn't fighting with them we were 
I did everything I could do to make it work. They did everything they could do to make it work. I mean, I switched out firewalls. I put a brand new, uh, I put in a brand new sonic wall. I put in a brand new Sophos. Um, none of those things helped, and none of them had any, they didn't have anything to do with anything because they told me that it could run on 56k of bandwidth. But I've surpassed that by a ton. Um, so I said, look, guys, you made your best effort. I made my best effort. Let's cancel this. And so, okay, that we understand, but we're going to need you to pay six months of service and we'll let you out of the contract. Like, guys, I paid three months of service for service that I never received. Not once. I mean, I'm not changing my mind here. It never worked. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. Yeah, that's that's called non-performance and non-delivery. Yeah, you didn't deliver what you said you were going to deliver. Uh, no, I've paid three months. You pay. I mean, this is a lose-lose situation here. I didn't get the service I wanted. You didn't get the money you wanted. But no, I'm not paying you for six months. <laughs> so there's still, uh, and that's still. Yeah. That's still in the air, so there. So from from a pure business standpoint, of not what's right and what's wrong, I uh, right now I still have an outstanding bill with them for like seven hundred fifty dollars. I could get uh, a lawyer to write a letter and say, hey, don't don't bother us for service that you didn't pay or that you didn't provide, or so should I just write the seven hundred fifty dollars and say, forget about you, don't ever call me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I'm going through something else, like you know, something similar that I I, think I mentioned to you uh, last week that I can't go into details with just yet right now. But um, uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta pay off. I, I was talking with uh, with my roommate, my you know non 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 romantic interest roommate, mm-hmm. uh, about uh, a landlord issue that he had with his previous landlord. And there was a question, like, he wasn't versed on the law about, um, you know, what he would be entitled to if the landlord failed to um, meet his end of the bargain. And I said, you know, it, it all comes down to, number one, do you really want to push this issue? Is it worth it? You know, over, like, $40 or something like that. You know, is it, is it a principle of a thing? Is, is it worth it, you know, pursuing it for, like, $750? Yeah, maybe. You know, but are are you going to end up spending like you know a day of your time fighting this battle? In which case, maybe not. But then again, is it worth doing it on the principle of the thing? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I. I mean, just honestly, it's not worth the principle to me. I don't. I don't have to be right. I am right, but I don't have to be right. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been working on that lately about uh, letting people. You know, if other people want to get in the last word in a discussion, I'm like, that's great. You're you're welcome. Have it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I guess it's it's been therapeutic. I think I'm just going to pay them and say forget about it because I don't want to pursue any energy in it. I don't want to be the one that's responsible for making the relationship work. I'll just tell them, look, I've paid it. Do not expect any referrals from me because <laughs> this is the service that I got. So why would my clients yep. get better service? 
Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing, too, is where, you know, if you wanted to say something about it, you could tell them about this, uh, you know, soapbox that you have called the Blurring the Lines podcast. And you could mention things like your the marketing association that you're involved with, with, um, you know, hundreds of other MSPs who you will be strongly encouraging not to use the service, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I noticed that you're taking the high road and you're not naming them by name here on this podcast. So, uh, you know, and I know you're doing that intentionally. So Mm -hmm. my hat's off to you on that. (laughs) Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll try to, I try to keep the high road in my life. I can't say that I'm a 100% winner there. (laughs) Well, as long as you're you're making a best effort, you're good in my book. All right, all right. So you, uh, we didn't get to cover this on on Friday, uh, but apparently you know something about online dating. I do know a little bit about that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I uh, I first dabbled with it back in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it, it is how I met my uh, my ex wife. Uh, so you know. So. I, I don't know. You could call that a success story, but in the long term, maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> definitely, uh, I've, I've, I've had experience meeting women online, and you know, uh, it's been kind of hit or miss. There are some uh, there's some interesting people out there, I'll say. <laughs> but uh, but uh, what what brought this up was uh, it's over a month ago now, maybe a couple months ago, uh-huh. one or two months ago. Uh, WBUR on um, on point mm-hmm. carried a story about a guy who used the online dating app Bumble, and if you are at all clued into pop culture at all, you've probably heard of Tinder. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tinder is an online dating app. Uh, it's gotten a reputation for being a you know more of a, a hookup app. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bumble is similar to Tinder, except uh, oh, the, well, the way both of them work is you see a picture and maybe some words if a person has taken the time to write anything about themselves. Uh, and then if you are interested in this person, you swipe to the right on your mobile phone, on your iPhone or your Android device. And if you're not interested, you swipe to the left. Mm-hmm. So it's that simple. So you express interest by swiping. And then if it's a mutual match, you both get a message saying, hey, it's a match, and then you need to message each other. Mm-hmm. So where Bumble sets themselves apart, as they claim from, from Tinder, is they say uh, that the woman has to make the first move. Mm-hmm. So once it's a match, uh, unless, she, you know, unless you're paying for the, um, for the service, uh, you've got 24 hours for the woman to initiate um, a conversation. Mm-hmm. So in that way, they claim that they're putting the power into the woman's hands. Okay. Well, my experience with Bumble is most of the time when it's a match, the woman doesn't get back to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, unless you're monitoring those things. Like, I was thinking about asking you, because, you know, I'm not focusing so much on MSP work anymore. But do you have somebody who could manage my um, my uh, online dating profiles for me? <laughs> I've got if, an, if, I, not, I, if not you, <laughs> if not you, I was going to, like, post an Upwork job or something. Because Tim Ferriss did that, and he actually blogged about it. It was actually quite hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of, your, one of your teenage daughters could probably handle that for me. I'm sure that'd be perfect, right? Perfectly appropriate. Yeah, yeah, that's, the, that's the word 
world that I want my teenage daughters in. <laughs> Bingo. Exactly what I was thinking. Well, anyway, the point of the story is about this dude who, I don't know how he did it, but somehow this guy scheduled six dates with women he had met on Bumble at the same time and at the same place. Nice. So not like six hours back to back, not six half hour dates back to back. This moron made six dates with, with women at the same bar at the same time. And everybody is wondering like, what was this guy thinking? Did he think he was like the star of the bachelor or something? <laughs> uh, you know, like seriously, what the hell was going through this guy's mind? And so well, it was kind of funny because the title of this, um, of this, show was the male advantage in online dating mm -hmm. and i was just laughing at that the whole time because you know what i don't know first off i do not know how this guy managed to do it getting six dates all at once wow uh, you know I, I really i'd like to look this guy up i'm kind of curious to see what uh you know what cologne he's using so to speak <laughs> because uh i have never had six simultaneous you know interested women like all at the same time uh -huh. and being able to schedule them all on the same night for i'm like this guy's doing something right <laughs> i'm not sure exactly what it is <laughs> uh and he's doing plenty of wrong don't get me wrong ladies yep. guys whatever i mean you know i think this guy's a big screw up and uh, you know but he's but he's got some game in other ways so um anyway he uh, he did this, and then uh, apparently uh, some of the women called him out, and then they went their separate ways and whatnot. But um, the, the whole point of this article, the spin that they put on it, was you know the male advantage in online dating is this guy was able to have dated six women all at the same time, and blah blah blah. That's been <laughs> like anything but my experience because I'm seeing like if a woman's not interested in you, she can swipe left, and she never has to talk to you like ever. Mm -hmm. And even if you start talking, you can just not, you know, you just ban, boom, done. And even if you get to, to the phase where you, like, exchange phone numbers or whatnot, our phones have the ability to block. Mm -hmm. And when you call, you can use caller ID blocks so you don't have to be revealing your name. There's all these different things where, like, I don't see this as a male advantage in any way. <laughs> so, um... But anyway, we, we were entitling this one, Guys, Don't Do This. <laughs> yeah. If by some string of luck you are able to, um, you know, to manage to, to set up dates with six women, kudos to you. My hat's off to you. But if you're that much of a freaking moron to book them all at the same time, you deserve what's coming. And I mean, please, swing by my Krav Maga school. My friends and I would like to demonstrate groin kicks on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, so I did look him up uh uh Justin whatever his name is and uh Justin I get I mean in a I guess he's a fairly attractive dude. I mean he he's all symmetrical and stuff. So Oh, well, there you go. That, that must be his trick. So I was wondering, it's like, is he better looking? And they say women don't go based on look. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a skinny guy, skinny dude in his 20s. Looks like he's got all of his hair, so got all of his teeth, it appears. So looks like that would work. Okay, I'm not saying anything about, you know, like big Kentucky Fried Chicken eating people, but like, <laughs> really? 
You want a skinny dude? <laughs> Ladies, are you really looking for skinny? I mean, come on. Uh, so. So cool. I mean, I've been getting comments on my chiseled biceps, and yeah, I mean, they're 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 a little bit more revealed because I'm not, you know, uh, I'm a little slim, but skinny, really skinny. <laughs> well, well, those were my words. I, I you know, he, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> You're a good judge of men. I mean, you said that I'm a I'm a I'm a good looking guy, so I have to respect your opinion. <laughs> Yeah, you know I'm right on track, huh? <laughs> In my book, you are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. <laughs> well, I did want. So, wanna... speaking speaking of that, what else we got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speak. That's enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> yeah. The uh, so last week we did talk about Amazon, and it just so happens that the Nashville Journal Journal put out a nine-page article on Amazon uh, again uh, so they're they're talking about yes. the well they they summed it up pretty clearly and I'll just read the the summarization but I did not realize I mean they are all over the United States it looks like there's only an exception of one two three four five six seven like ten states that they don't have eleven states I don't know about Hawaii and Alaska that they don't have big place you know big distribution points but i'm guessing vermont is one of those oh yeah uh yep uh vermont is one of those oh and maine is one of those there are none of those up there so that's interesting uh, i didn't see them because they were faded out so maybe 14 uh, so anyway so their their summarization was that amazon has perfected the formula enter quietly move fast pit sites against each other and used it to elicit more than 1.24 billion in subsidies from state and local governments to help build out a massive U.S. fulfillment and delivery network. Dozens of cities across the country report similar stories to secret high-pressure negotiations. So we were talking about, you know, they saved, they saved $2 million across the taxes that they would have paid in Nashville. And they are in Lebanon, which is a Nashville uh, part of Nashville, so I, I they do have a Murfreesboro facility, but that's not Nashville. That's Murfreesboro. Uh, so they saved two million over ten years. But then you multiply that across all of the states that you know the other twenty states, they've saved a lot of money, <laughs> yeah. and they've they they've inserted themselves in at a very low price. But I think there's going to be a problem there. Because we, you know, they've inserted themselves at a very low price. What are they going to do when their cost of doing business goes up? It's the same thing we all do as small, or well, we do it as small business. We pass it on to the customer. So we're all, all these little businesses are going to go out of business because they can't compete with Amazon. And then once they're all gone, we're going to be left with Amazon, and Amazon is going to have to raise their prices. <laughs> Because they can't compete anymore. Yep. <laughs> there, well, there won't be anyone to compete with. Yeah. Well, they yeah they won't be able to pay their bills because they now have to pay fair taxes like the rest of us. So our the price has to go up. <laughs> yep. No, we shall see. <laughs> Oop, I'm I'm not hearing you right now. So the. Uh, 
so yeah i mean i i kind of i kind of uh, equate this with you know government subsidies that we've seen there you are you're back government subsidies in uh energy and then regulations like hipaa where you had to have an emr in place by a certain date and there was all this money for people in energy subsidies there was all this money for people to uh, build emrs and then once the money dries up all the support goes away and you know they did influence the market they did make it happen but i think people got plenty hurt in the process as well yeah, I, and I think um, I was going through cells here. I was talking a little bit, but it didn't sound like you could hear me. I was just saying that um, this morning there was an article on uh, WBUR again where they said they were going to be revisiting the uh, the efforts to get Amazon into the Boston area. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I heard, I heard this uh, just around 5 a.m., and then I remembered, oh, right, my uh, alarm is still set for 5 a.m. on Monday, even though I'm not driving up at 5 a.m. this morning. So I probably turned it off and went back to sleep. <laughs> you sure it wasn't a dream? <laughs> no, I definitely said, Alexa, stop. Cancel, cancel, Alexa, cancel. Sorry, yeah. sorry. <laughs> oh, so, well, cool. Well, um, so something else I was uh, going to bring up, I forgot about, uh, okay. but yesterday I did another uh, 16 and a half mile uh, mountain bike ride, trail mm-hmm. ride. So that was fun with uh, my roommate. He's uh, getting ready to uh, do this 50 mile trail run. Mm-hmm. And uh, so again, as part of his uh, training, he goes and runs and I, um, you know, I, I ride alongside with him. So it was fun. Set a good pace. We averaged about six six or so miles per hour for uh, the whole time that we were out covering about 16 miles a lot of fun it was good my apple airpods were abysmal really they were terrible they and and this is with the uh, extra first off if I didn't have the um, insignia headpieces to help hold them in my ears they wouldn't even come close to staying in my ears that said It wasn't clear to me whether it was the vibration or it was the wind noise, but they were constantly rattling and Siri kept on getting invoked. Hmm. So it was as if I was either saying, hey, you know who, uh, constantly, or as if I was like tapping on them. Ah. And I had to think it was probably more like the buffeting wind noise because the way you can invoke Siri on the AirPods is just you just double tap on the mm-hmm. speakers and then it you know does a kitty like you're talking to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, at some point it was it was horrible because it was like constantly going on and off and on and off and on and off. Oh wow! And I couldn't even make it stop. And so it was as if I was just like constantly just like you know staccato Morse code tapping on these things um so that was a real disappointment i had not had that issue before um although my friend scott um and uh, my i once in future and current co-host on the not feeding in reverse podcast uh he reported that he had had a similar um occurrence with his so a little disappointed by that um i am glad that i have some uh old style headphones 
mm-hmm. but that does mean another cable to be contending with, you know, hanging out of my pack while I'm riding my bike, which I'm not looking forward to. And it also means that I still have to, um, I would have to get the adapter, the lightning adapter, so mm-hmm. that I can plug those headphones in. So it's just like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to go through this again. So, I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe Apple could receive a, or uh, release a firmware update to uh, make them not so suck so much in uh, windy and uh, jostly conditions. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Well, were you riding on your big fat tires? Are you still riding on those? Yeah, this was on my uh, my uh, my Lapierre Zesty 427 All Mountain bike. It's not technically a fat bike. It's not what people call them, but it's a big fat you know, fat mountain bike tires, but not a not a real fat bike. Not the beachcomber snow type tires. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Because I knew you told me you had switched those over. I didn't know if you had uh, if you had stuck with them or not. Yeah, no, I'm still, I'm, I'm still riding that. I'm going to stay on this for a while, and um, I think my next bike will likely be a, a genuine fat bike, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know what that's going to be. I mean, my my bike now is it's doing just fine, and it could be fun, but um, you know, it could be. It's always fun getting a new bike, but uh, I really don't need it right now. And the, given the price that I spend when I buy a new bike, I, I can't even come close to justifying it right now. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's 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 cheaper than a Tesla. Way cheaper than a Tesla. <laughs> so, well, now that you put it that way, if I can justify a Tesla, <laughs> <Yeah>. hmm. <laughs> you're saving the environment with a Tesla, right? <laughs> I'm saving the environment, but but think how much how much less you know expensive the bike is compared to a Tesla. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's silly not to buy one. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna uh, on that note. I'm just gonna drive straight to the bike shop right now. Heck with that appointment that I'm running late for. I'm just gonna go buy another bike. <laughs> oh, well, cool. Well, cool. Well, all right. Uh, unless you have something else, I think we're close to a wrap for the day. I think that we've called it, and we managed to uh, hold the call the entire time, so uh, this is good. Hopefully the audio quality is okay. Um, maybe, who knows, maybe the next time we're forced to for me to car cast, I will be coming from a Tesla, and there'll be a lot less noise in the background. Who knows? Yeah. Let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> you sure don't want me calling on, you know, from the trail on my mountain bike. That would be horrible. No. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised yesterday when I texted you and... Uh, it was just kind of a, a you know, a, one of those those texts that, hey, this happened, or I don't even remember what I sent you. I sent you a picture or something, screenshot. Oh, it's talking about the the search functionality. But I, that's that's kind of funny. I've got another friend that I'll send him texts, and he feels that it's necessary to respond back to me, no matter what. <laughs> like right then, he's got to respond right then. I'm like, no, this was just one of those. Hey, very casual. Sent it to you. I thought you'd find this to be funny. You don't have to LOL it right right this second. Dear, <laughs> dear Adam, this is in uh, this this text is to express confirmation of receipt of your text. LOL. Thank you for sending this message. Sincerely, Peter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Oh man, I gotta get this now. <laughs> yeah. 
He'll tell me. I, I all right. Some, some clients I've had to tell people, like, you know, it's okay. I know you're just being polite, but when we send an email to you saying that we've successfully resolved your ticket, it's totally cool for you not to say thank you. Because every time you do that, it reopens the ticket in our ticketing system. <laughs> and we're like, oh. Oh, man, you know, we had just gotten down to 10 open tickets. We were going to call it a day. Now we're back up to 15. Why? Well, we got 15 thank you emails. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's one of the that, – that was my deciding factor in why I don't allow my ticketing system to create a ticket with an email. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, well, cool. Well, all right, Peter. It's good chatting with you today. Uh, yeah, this is, this is kind of fun. I don't remember. This is like only a two-day gap in between recordings. This is a this is a record for us. I know. I mean, we we've eliminated the possibility that it was only a monthly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right now, that said, don't get used to this. We're, we're not planning on recording like every three days. That's, <laughs> I don't have that kind of time yet. <laughs> we're working on it though. It's it's a, it's almost there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gradual progression. Yeah. So, all right, I'll close us out. Uh, we do want your feedback. If you'd like to discuss a particular topic, then you can drop us a line at www.blurringthelinespodcast.com. There's a contact form. If you like what you're hearing, uh, address it to Adam. If you don't like what you're hearing, send it to Peter. <laughs> Yeah, okay, thanks. (laughs) And that phone number is (laughs) 555-555-1234. All right, Adam, push that big red button and take us out of here. All right, time to push the big red button. To contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.